Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your host is Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor and founder of the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute. Thanks for joining me again for this episode of the Out of the Question podcast. Now, if you're like me, the past two and a half years have been one royal pain in the neck, especially if you're like me. From the very beginning, you understood that something fishy was going on with things like masks. My first experience with masks happened in the mid-90s when I spent some time at the Ronald McDonald House in Palo Alto, California, visiting some cancer patients. And one of the remarkable things was that the immune-compromised were the ones who wore masks and those who weren't did not. So I think that had a lot to do with me questioning why on earth we have to wear masks. Well, as time went on, it became a struggle to do much of anything if you didn't have a mask on. Either you'd be looked at as somebody who was trying to contaminate the people of Earth or somehow or other you were this rebel. And as time has gone on, I have noticed that more and more people fall into one of two camps, either the, what does it matter if they tell you to wear a mask, wear a mask, as opposed to those who say, it makes no sense, it makes no sense. So everybody's seen the meme with the guy on the motorcycle without a helmet, but he's wearing a mask. Everybody makes the comment, I just passed a person in the car, the windows are up, the person's by himself, and he's wearing a mask. And so I have noticed that there are people who continually bum themselves out because they're so frustrated. And out of frustration comes a sense of hopelessness at times, like there's nothing we can do about anything. Well, I have known my guest, Alan Stevo, for I've known of him for a while. I've seen him in person. He didn't know I was in the audience, but I was there. And I've subscribed to his regular emails. And about a week and a half ago, I went for a medical appointment and I was doing the Alan Stevo. It was a a test that my doctor says this would be a good test for us to compare how you're doing in something. And I walked in and I was prepared that if they were going to give me a hard time, I would do what I had always done during the last two years, put up my scarf, put it over my face and look like abandoned. But no, even that was not acceptable. I had to wear their mask. So I did 20 minutes of talking to the security guard and everything else, but it got to the point where they weren't going to let me do the, the test. And they said that if I did want to do it without a mask, they'd have to make me the last appointment of the day and that um, they'd have to disinfect everything afterwards. Now I pointed out what the CDC says about masks. I pointed out I wasn't um, contagious. I wasn't sick. But I succumbed and I wore that mask for about five minutes because this test was going to take five minutes. So when I left, I was feeling like I have failed myself. I had, I had, you know, I'm worthless. I have these principles and I just threw them out the window. And as I got to my car, one of Alan's emails came in and the name of it, his article was, if the sheep disappoint you, read this. Well, I was primed for this article, and I immediately got in touch with him, and I said, I'd really like you to talk to my listeners about the thesis of it. But just in case you haven't heard of Alan before, this is what he describes himself as, and I think he's being modest in many cases, but he says he's been a tireless advocate for more fair treatment of individuals under the law for over two decades. So he's not new to this rodeo. From the disabled to those with severe medical conditions, he has pushed for individualized approaches rather than a one-size-fits-all treatment our institutions often foist upon those most in need. He's written a book called Face Masks Hurt Kids, and in it he digs into the research of how masking is not neutral to the wearer, but unquestionably harmful, especially to children. Welcome, Alan. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's so good to be with you. Okay. So before we go much into the masks and what you've written about in your book, give us your short take on what masking is really all about. That's that's fantastic. Um, 
you know, I don't, I don't need to get too, too into anything about conspiracy or, or I want to, I want to specifically say that it's important to say in your life, how does, how does something impact me? How does it impact the people directly around me? And we can talk about, you know, Fauci, uh, what, what he's got up his sleeve or what your local public health director has up his sleeve. Um, but what I think is really uh, a way of looking at the mask is an opportunity. Um, and a lot of folks from September 11th onward, um, they, they listened to government and government said, go to your bedrooms, children. We've got this under control. And a lot of us went to our bedrooms and a lot of us, we kind of, you know, we kind of coasted for a while. Um, and some people woke up more quickly, others woke up more slowly. And since the Ides of March 2020, when the lockdown, the two week lockdown went into effect and the, uh, the, uh, face mask orders a few weeks later, April 3rd, 2020, uh, face mask guidance from the CDC, when those went into effect, I, I started to see more people waking up more quickly. Um, and that's been super exciting. And the face mask, I think, uh, the, maybe the, the most important for an individual is that the face mask is an opportunity to, to stand up to, to little impositions of tyranny in your life. And it, you know, if you've been in bed for 20 years, I can't expect you to stand up and go run a marathon. That'd be preposterous. You probably stand up and you, you collapse. Your muscles are so atrophied. So the face mask is this wonderful opportunity to, to say uh, at a few key moments in the day, I'm going to be able to, to practice saying no to something that I believe is, is a lie, something that I believe is, uh, no one has any authority to, to impose upon me. Um, and that, that has so much impact. The people who I've seen do this, it has had so much impact on their lives. And very often, like thousands of people at this point, they've, they've used my, my books, my writing, the, you know, the free stuff, the paid stuff, wherever, wherever they find it. I, I get all these emails constantly. I didn't realize how easy it was going to be. I was so scared. I didn't know how to do it. And once they do it, you see the, the, the dynamics of having a conversation with somebody and saying no to the face mask, they're the same dynamics as saying no to uh, a shot you don't want to take, saying no to, to someone imposing on you in some way that you don't agree with. Um, we can make a long list of what that looks like. Saying no to someone taking your guns, if someone listening cares about their guns, it's all the same. And if you can't say no to a face mask every single time, then you just haven't heard the right reason yet to take the shot. You haven't heard the right reason yet to give up your guns. You haven't heard the right reason yet to have your church closed down, whatever it may be. And this, this is so important. This, this practice, that's what I think the face mask is most importantly about to the individual. Okay. So we have been taught that we live in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And yet, as you pointed out, not so much when you don't look at what the um, restrictions have been. So do you think our issue has a lot to do with valuing illegitimate authority? I mean, doctors were the ones and, you know, people who had degrees after their names. Well, you know, everybody saw the doctor shows for the last 40 years. I mean, they're doctors. They wouldn't lie to us. So what's, is, do you think the dynamic is that people just said, well, these people know what they're talking about? Yeah, that's, that's a good way. You know, there's, uh, in the world around us, there's, hmm, there's so much emphasis on, uh, kind of fragmenting who's allowed to know what, right? There's so much specialization. So, so, um, so you're able to have a lockdown encouraged by public health officials, which totally ignores that even, even in their own field, right? Public health, public health has said for, for decades, um, there has to be, when there's economic downturn, there's higher suicide rates, for example. Um, there, there's, when, when someone lives in a, a poor economic situation, they're going to have, they're more likely to have higher rates of heart disease, right? So this is even in their own field. So epidemiologists in public health were able to effectively shut down, to, to shut down the, the world around us without paying attention to even, even other areas of their own field. And so there's this area of specialization that we're not allowed to, 
we're not allowed to give comment on what we don't know about. We're, we're to trust the experts in every area of life. And a problem with that is that the experts are not, they don't have a broad understanding of, of the world around them. They're, they're not full of wisdom. They have like very specific area of data that they focus on. And, you know, they may have a, a great deal of data, but again, it's not wisdom, right? It, it, there isn't, they're not sitting there saying, how can I be as wise as possible? How can I be, how can I be the Solomon of my age? So in that situation where you're constantly being asked to trust the expert, if the expert only has a very small segment of information, they're going to, they just miss so much. And, you know, as individuals were called on, it's good that there's experts out there. It's good even that there's experts that specialize only in one thing. That's fine with me. As long as you then are trusting that you're going to be the one who, who incorporates the various uh, statements of experts, the different, uh, and, and to, to, to apply wisdom to it and to figure out you can walk through your life. But we're, modernity encourages us to do to do a number of, of bad things in the situation. One of those bad things is to to kind of outsource decision decision making to experts. And there, I think that's it's good to recognize that so that you don't get caught up in that trend. And it's quite a quite a powerful trend going on around us. And it's very tiring to be expected to always know what's going on. And and there's it's very tiring. I understand it's very tiring to always be pushing back against the tyrants around you. But a wonderful thing is this is. It happens for everyone. The more you exercise these muscles, the more endurance you have pushing back. And then it becomes second nature. It really, some of the things that I go through during the day, living, I live in left coast lockdown land. And, <laughs> um, you know, I, some of the things I go through during the day, it's when friends visit me from other places, they're not ready for it sometimes. And it's good it's good to to have some some resistance to to always be pushing against where where your boundary of freedom is because you're getting practice if there is i think i think the nonsense doesn't just come to an end tomorrow i think there's greater tyranny ahead for us and i'm not saying there's some grand plan necessarily though though there probably is from lots of different people lots of tyrants all over the place have their own plans for people but just the way our system works there's always going to be tyranny coming at us. And if the individual pushes back and demands freedom in his own life, he's going to live that more free life. And this, it always comes down to this. And, and though it may be tiring sometimes, this is part of what we're called to do. And you will very quickly see how, how easy it gets and how quickly you grow by exercising those muscles. Well, Yes, I, I agree with you on that. I think what's important to also realize is we've lived under this banner of being enslaved and not realizing we were enslaved. And you go back to when the Hebrew people were leaving Egypt. It wasn't just enough to leave Egypt. They had to learn how not to be a slave. They had to yeah. learn how to be free men. And I think that um, because the U.S. especially has enjoyed turmoil-free years. I mean, we haven't had a war on our soil, a, a fighting physical, you know, bang-bang kind of war since the war between the states. So it's easy to think that everything is okay and we really are free people. So that essay that you wrote that actually encouraged me to no end basically described three kinds of people in the analogy and sheep were one of them. But you didn't just stop with the sheep. You talked about hyenas and you talked about lions. So sort of summarize that essay, if you would. Absolutely. And I, I really, I like your connection to the, the Hebrew people, the, the, you know, it wasn't enough to leave slavery. You had to, you had to realize you were enslaved. You had to work out, right? You had to wander them around the desert for 40 years till everyone, but I think only two of them survived, right? Only two of the people from Egypt survived right. right that's 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 something to to really keep in mind can can someone who is a slave ever not become not a slave and thankfully you know it, it's thankfully there are those two people who did make it out right that that's a hopeful a hopeful thing we, if it once a slave does not mean always a slave um, exactly exactly yeah in that in that essay you mentioned i go back to this uh often in my writing often when i when i speak to groups 
and, and I go up and down the California coast speaking to groups, uh, organizing group, activist groups. And what I'm seeing is so very hopeful. It is, and wherever your listener is listening from, even in California, <laughs> I have no question that, that this is a victory that is being won. So this is wherever your listeners are, are listening from. This is even in California, they may be living in a more free place. And, uh, um, so I, I want them to be, be hopeful about what they're seeing around them. The there's, there's, you know, you can be paying attention to the Carl Schwab's of the world. You can be paying attention to Bill Gates, uh, Tony Fauci, Joe Biden. And, you know, these are people that most of us listening to this don't know personally, that that person has no impact on their life directly. And, we're often encouraged to, to pay a lot of attention to these. And, you know, sometimes it's for good that, that we're encouraged to pay a lot of attention to folks like this. But it's important to keep in mind that people like that have never determined the trajectory of history, that, that they're, they're a constant throughout history, that there's always these kind of hyena type folks who are looking to take advantage of others, uh, looking to see how they can pull one over on others. And they, they just always exist. So it's good to know what they're up to. But if you're spending, I don't know, 10 hours, 10 hours a week, 40 hours a week, 80 hours a week obsessing over these people, there's a pretty good chance that it's bumming you out. There's a pretty good chance you're putting your energy where, where it doesn't deserve to be put. And then, then there's a, another group of people, this more sheep-like people. And it's often pejorative that people say, oh, those sheep. And I don't mean to be pejorative. I don't mean to dehumanize anyone when I say this, but, but it is in all periods of history, there's the, the vast majority of people, they are kind of, you know, they're, they're looking for who to, who to follow. Um, they're, they're looking around them for cues on who's the best leader. And, you know, for example, they, they looked at Andrew Cuomo at one time and said, that is, that is one of our best leaders in this country. And that's who I have to be following. Um, or looked at, Tony Fauci saying the same over time, perhaps those same people are looking at, at you, for example, and saying, well, Fauci got it wrong and, and Cuomo got it wrong. And, and maybe, maybe this guy who lives next door to me, who hasn't been wearing a mask, maybe, maybe there's something to what he's saying. And maybe there's something scary about that guy and uncomfortable, but maybe I should just see what, what, what he really thinks. And, you know, these sheep like people, they're just trying to get through the day. They're not, tr- they're trying to not stick their necks out. And if, if you're paying too much attention to them, like you, when you started the, the, the guy driving around triple masked in his car with the window sealed, which by the way, as I point out in face masks, hurt kids that, that makes it more likely that he's going to cause, cause harm to others with his vehicle. Um, the, but that's, that's irrelevant. We won't even go down that road. Okay. The, if you spend too much time obsessing about the sheep-like people, they too, they are not a variable in history. If you spend too much time thinking about them, you're likely to end up bummed out. Um, if you're spending too much time trying to convert them, that too might be a, a little bit of a bummer. Um, because not everyone, not everyone wants to be like this third group of people. Um, and, and that third group of people, those are lions. And the lions are the, 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 the ones who determine the, the trajectory of history. They're the ones who, who change things. Um, and those lions are constant, but there's, there's something about the lions that are not a constant. And this is, are the lions asleep during a certain period of time or are they awake? And I don't even have to get into percentages. Like, does it have to be 51% of, of the population? Does it have to be 33% or 3% or 1%? It, and it doesn't matter. What really matters? In your own life, this is, this is, we can go through totalitarian regimes I've studied throughout history. In your own life, bad things are going on around you. If you can figure out how to say no to those bad things, you're going to be living a free life. And this happens in all kinds of bad periods of history. And what I feel kind of called to do is not to, not to engage with the hyenas too much, not to engage with the sheep too much, um, but to wake up lions. And I find that when you wake up a lion, there doesn't need to be some big top-down movement. There doesn't need to be a bunch of organizing. And people even, they like to use this phrase, it's like herding cats. That I think, it almost misses the point of what a lion really is in a lion. You know, a lion doesn't need to be herded by anyone. A lion doesn't need to be told what to do. When, when a lion wakes up, the lion just naturally goes through the life and rubs some people the wrong way and, and lives his or her own free life. And it just... 
naturally exudes freedom in the world in the world around that person when 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 that lion wakes up so it sounds like you're saying taking the hyena group and putting them aside being a sheep is could be contagious and being a lion can be contagious and what we should be doing is to really be who we are understand that god is in control psalm 2 was never canceled during COVID. That's something that they could not do. So that to have a view that says, okay, so maybe this is a training period because there's something we didn't get that God wants us to get. And what I like what you said in the essay is when you find a lion, don't let that lion go until you find out a way to keep being in touch with that lion. What do you mean by that? That, you know, I'm going to get into some specifics here, but dear listener, dear listener, if you are walking through the grocery store and I don't know, there's probably not masks still, probably not everyone is masking your grocery store anymore, wherever, wherever you're listening to this hit. But if you're walking through life and someone is behaving like a lion, someone says something, someone does something, someone looks a certain way, whatever it is, maybe they're wearing a shirt, maybe they're wearing a hat, something about that person resonates with you and you say they don't fit in exactly they seem like my kind of person. I want you to please introduce yourself. I want you to please talk for a little bit. And that's, you know, that's a little bit sticking your neck out already to talk for a few minutes, but you know, you guys are, you guys are like kind already. Just start talking a little. And then I want you to stick your neck out further. This, you need to do this. You need to do this next thing. You got to say, Hey, how do I keep in touch with you? And you got to get their phone number. How do I keep in touch with you? You know, it can be awkward to say, what's your phone number or what's your email? And I recommend phone number. It, it's much harder to ignore a phone call than an email. Um, people are in different kind of a different mode when they're doing email. They're in a different mode when they're doing social media. If you call on the phone, you can, you can break that, break that trance a little bit. And text message is a little bit, is a little bit better than email too, in my experience, but, but calling on the phone, I want you to get that phone number, that lion. And I want you to write them right away. Say, Hey, my name's Alan. It was great meeting you, Jerry. This worked so well. And I know, I know right now it feels like it's really easing up again. Flu season comes every year, October, November. And I suspect there's going to be a good reason for it to stop easing up. I think I, hopefully I'm wrong. I just suspect that's going to happen. And um, that, that lion you meet, you get together with that lion. Say, hey, I'm getting together sad. I'm, I'm going to go for a coffee Saturday. I can go sit in the park for about an hour. Would you, would you mind joining me and we'll sit and talk? Every time you meet a lion, do that same thing. And you're going to end up with three lions maybe in the park. You're going you're gonna, to eventually, you're going to end up with 30 lions. Eventually, you're going to end up with 300 lions. And with something that was so difficult from from the Ides of March 2020 forward was how easy it was to isolate people from each other. And modernity kind of discourages community. Modernity wants us, and I believe so strongly in the power of the individual. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend that 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 uh the, the individual is not is not so important. So I'm not trying to say that but our community with each other means so much as well too. And, and if I could have done anything for, for uh, my readers, it would have been it to, to prepare them for what happened in March, 2020, it would have been December 2019 saying, Hey, you got to start getting together with like-minded people. You got to start building those, those networks, those contacts. Um, so this, this I think is so important not to let a lion out of your sight without putting them in their, in your phone. It's not 2019 anymore. We're in a different time and it's almost a gift to be able to, to, uh, be able to so easily discern who's like you and who's not like you. And we didn't have that gift for all time. And this is, it may feel so hurtful the way some of your friends talk to you and perhaps it's just not you've walked together for a time. Perhaps your roads are going to diverge for a time. Perhaps you'll end up back together for a time and it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes to say without there being hurt feelings, it's okay to just let some of that go. And I don't want anyone to leave their spouse over COVID or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but, but some relationships it's okay to let go. And it does make room for all these lions and it is, it is so powerful what I've seen people just getting together. 
when you said it's not that difficult, I'll give you an example from my own thing. I'm sure you can relate to this. So once the mass, I also live in California in Silicon Valley. So it's, it's crazy here in a way that other people in other states don't experience it. But once the masks came off, when I would be at the checkout line and somebody didn't have a mask on, I would say, you have such a nice smile. It is so nice yes. to see a smile again. Beautiful. And, you know, first of all, I didn't lie. If the person had a bad smile, I didn't <laughs> say they had a good smile. But I would try to say something. I would try to engage in, um, have you tried this cheese before? Or do a lot of people buy this? And starting a conversation, smiling, be kind, say something that indicates that you're not afraid to interact because a lot of people got scared and they started looking at other people as diseased when we weren't diseased. You're so right. You're so right. This is, you know, my little, my little daughter. So when, uh, let's see, this is, you know, when COVID started, maybe she's 18 months old or something like that. It, it, was just natural to her that the people in the mask were scary. And this, I remember one guy, he had the worst looking teeth ever. And I said, and my daughter was just frightened of him. He, he had the mask on. And, and I said, take the mask off. She, she's, she's a baby. She doesn't get what's going on. And, and you know, I don't get what's going on either, honestly, but whatever. Um, I didn't say that. She doesn't get what's going on. And he took down, he took down his mask and he smiled at her. Oh, was it a horrible smile? She was so happy. And she, she wasn't sitting there saying, look at those missing teeth or anything like that. It was beautiful to her. Those two, they, they, wanted, they were sitting there smiling at each other for 45 seconds. They were so happy. This, this uh, kind of way, you know, this way of looking at each other as, as, a, as a disease, this is just the, you know, it's a continuation where, and you bring up the grocery store example. It is modernity wants us, and I keep using this term modernity um, in a very general, very general way I'm using it about trends, trends that we have often around us. Modernity wants us to look at the, the cashier at the grocery store as a, uh, like an ATM machine or a bubblegum machine. This input creates that output, and that's reliably what's supposed to happen. And there's no, you know, when you look at a human that way, that's, it's like looking at a human like a machine, right? Or looking perhaps even like an animal. Um, and that's not how humans work. And it's, it's dehumanizing. It separates us. And so 2020 is merely this extension, 2020 beyond. It's, it's been this extension of the same of looking at a person as an object, right? Dehumanizing the person. Genesis 126. It says we're made, it doesn't say we're made in the likeness of a disease, or it doesn't say we're made in the likeness of a, a sexual act, or we're made in the likeness of a certain color flag, or none of that, right? It says, it says we're made in the likeness of God. And this is like the antidote to modernity, if you ask me. And this is at the root of, of all my writing, that, that you're made in the likeness of God. And you know... What you're saying and, and some of the things that I've done, like I always make a point of addressing somebody who's serving me in a store by their name. They have a name tag on. So you say, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, whomever. And I'll often, especially in my neck of the woods, there are plenty of people who have names that I'm not familiar with. And I'll say things like, oh, that's an unusual name. Do you know what it means? Why did yes, your parents I love doing that too. Yeah. Why, why did your parents name you that? Actually, there was one time, and this is funny because I was with my daughter. This was before COVID, but we were checking out at a Trader Joe's, as it turns out. And there was a fellow that had a tattoo of the state of California with a star where it was Sacramento, which is the capital. Now, he clearly wanted everybody to see that because why would you put it on your neck? And so I looked at him and I said, were you afraid you'd get lost? And he started laughing. My daughter almost died. But in other words, I was engaging with him just the way he wanted me to engage because he wanted me to see it, right? And it's amazing that when you come back, you go to the same stores or whatever it is, it means that you're recognizing the humanity of this person and person may not look like you. So, but I think this whole coming out of the masking and separation and social distancing and all that stuff gives us an opportunity 
to be kind, as Jesus told us we should be kind, to be long-suffering. So instead of getting mad at all those sheep, just recognize that they're probably struggling too, and you can still smile at them. I've watched people leave a store with a mask on, and I don't have mine. I give them a big smile. They pull down their mask, and they smile at you. It's little, you know, It's but you're starting the process that says, maybe it's okay if I do this. Beautiful. Beautiful. So when I, when I, uh, I go each Sunday, each Sunday, I'm at a Trader Joe's. Sometimes it's on a Monday, but usually it's on a Sunday afternoon after church. And when I'm checking out, I, uh, I make, as you described, I'm talking, I'm talking to people and I, I usually ask, you know, how's your day going? How's business been? Like, those are my, and Sometimes the person's into it. Sometimes the person's not. And um, sometimes they'll ask, how's your day been? Right. And I don't know, maybe half people go come back with, how's your day been? And it's a Sunday. And I think my preacher gives a great sermon. So I, uh, I'll, it's, I, I don't know any Sunday where I've walked away. I've been like, that was an awful sermon. So I say, I'm having a great day. I just heard the best sermon ever in church. And I'm excited about the week ahead, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, sometimes the, the cashier will ask more, well, where do you go to church? And what, you know, what's the sermon about? Right. And that's not usually, but once in a while. And the second thing I might say is I am so happy. You know, how's your day going? I'm so happy. You guys aren't wearing masks anymore the way you were. I love when people smile at each other, something like that. So yeah. I'm uh, about a month ago. I'm at, I'm at Trader Joe's and the, the manager, the manager, uh, he's, he comes up next to me. I'm about to check out. And he's, we get, we got to talk. And I've never talked to this guy my whole life. I don't know why he's coming up close to me, asking me this. And, and he's like, he said, he's like, how's your day going? And I said, I just had the best church service. And, and, oh, let's talk more outside. So, so then I start, I'm like, okay, that's, there's something about me saying I go to church that bothers someone. And, uh, so I check out and I go outside and I, I just, turn the video camera on my phone real quick, just to, I'm curious. And I leave it down by my side. I don't know what's going to happen. He's brought a witness with him and I I don't understand what's going to happen. So what he ends up saying is when you're, when you're in my store, if you ever want to shop here again, I need you to never talk about religion again. I need you to never talk about COVID again. You know, I'm a little surprised that someone just said such a thing to me. And I know I no, it's not Trader Joe's policy. I got lots of people I know working at Trader Joe's and I know it's not policy what he just said to me. Um, so he's just kind of going out there on his own saying that's their store's policy. Uh, so I just ask him some questions. You know, what about the guy who said, I want to start coming to your church? You know, here's my phone number. Is that, is that, is that a problem to be speaking to that guy? Um, or, or blah, blah, blah. I, I, and right. I sent it, I sent it off to, I sent the video. Probably wasn't nice of me to do this. I probably, but I sent the video off to a journalist um, and the journalist helped help make the, the Trader Joe's manager a little bit famous. Um, I think it's real important as well to be standing your ground in these moments, right? You, you gotta, it's so good to be having these conversations with other humans and anyone who wants to try to stop you from having these conversations. I'm not, I'm not walking in there trying to, insult anyone trying to push people in a conversation they don't want to have i'm not doing that there's there's such there's such an attitude in the air right now of of you you will offend right there's a spirit of offense in the air anything you say wrong might offend someone you can't accept that you can't you just have to you have to just give what you can to someone else and do your best and you know not harass anyone not chase anyone around with with what they don't want to hear but that spirit of offense is it's just another way of saying you stop talking to that other person you stop treating them like a human and that's no good the the, the antidote right again we get back to to genesis 1 we get back to the antidote of of treating each other like humans exactly Exactly. And under the pretense that we're loving our neighbor when we don't talk to our neighbor and we disassociate from our neighbor, you need to know the truth to be able to spot the counterfeit. And I think a lot of people, Alan, think, well, to make any real change, I got to run for this. I got to run for that. The stuff we're talking about is how you make the change. Um, everybody's got a circle of people they run into. 
whether it's the mailman, whether it's the person who's, you know, anytime I have somebody at my house who's working, I make sure I have a stack of cold water and say, hey, or can we buy you lunch or something like that? It's not because um, I'm so wonderful. I pray for engagement. I want engagement with people. And it just doesn't happen where people drop in front of you and say, tell me all the sage wisdom that you know, because most people don't think other people have sage wisdom anyway. Just be real. And it's amazing. My husband and I have gotten to the point where when we meet what you would call a lion, however, Mm -hmm. whether they're a baby lion or a seasoned lion or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, let's go out to lunch. Let's go out to coffee and get to know each other. And that's the way in which you infect people with really the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is to recognize that people need to hear the truth about their situation. And our societal situation with COVID is just a manifestation of judgment for people who don't trust God, but trust government instead. Would you agree? I like, I like that you bring it to that point of judgment in, in the, you know, the, the circle of people you describe circle of people. I like, you know, I, I take that a little bit further. It's not accurate. It's not accurate. The, the figurative term I use, it's not literally accurate, but the world around you, I like to describe. And, you know, that circle of people you interact with it, what's happening, what's happening in Estonia or Ethiopia or China hardly affects you, but those like 10 people you encounter in a day or a hundred people, maybe if you're like super out there, right? Those, those are people, those people you encounter a day, those that's the world around you. And to imagine that we should be talking about Estonia or we should be talking about Klaus Schwab instead of talking about your mailman and how you're going to be like the most awesome person in that, that dude's life for the 30 seconds that you have with Mm. him, right? That matters so much more than whatever you have to say about Klaus Schwab, right? Maybe, maybe you're like a big player uh, that, that truly can impact Klaus Schwab's life. Maybe you know him personally. He's at your, he's at your private club and you guys spend 10 hours a week together. That's a different story. If that doesn't describe you, I mean, it means so much those people you interact with for those 30 seconds. And like you described taking him out, taking him out for, for a coffee. And it's not, you know, it's not about, 51% 51% of the population or a billion dollar budget. And it's not about, and this is a little bit, it's a common, a common kind of a thing on the political left is how many people can we get out in the street? And that's, I get for, for pictures that works for, for trying to, you know, to shoot a nice movie that works, but that's not how people change. And that's not, the Bible's really clear where two or three are gathered in my name. Right. Mm-hmm. The exactly. Bible's not saying where you got the billion dollar marketing budget. The Bible's not saying where you have a majority of the population together to make a decision. That's not right. It's, it's, it, it, it really, the Bible's so clear that it's about the individual's heart. Exactly. You know, Calcedon Foundation sponsors this podcast and our founder, Rush Duty, used to say it's dedicated minorities that change things, mm-hmm. not majorities. Mm-hmm. And you, it's easy to be a dedicated minority because all you have to do is be dedicated <laughs> and not worry about how many there are um, who think like you. I'm sure everybody's had the opportunity to be in a situation where one person enters in and can change the whole mood and attitude of a group of people, um, either by being depressed or other, or by being, you know, joyful or optimistic. And I think one of the major aspects that COVID taught me is that I had been looking at categories wrong. I had been looking at conservative, liberal. I had been looking at Republican, Democrat. Now I'm like, oh, he doesn't wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) And some of the people that I might have avoided in my life are now people that I don't avoid because it was like a light bulb that went on that said, Maybe they're doing it because they're just contrary. Maybe they're not wearing a mask because they um, really don't believe it. I don't know. I'm going to at least find out. We, we have that commonality with each other. And it's not that everybody who doesn't wear a mask wants to talk to you. But, you know, how many times do we hear no in the world that another no isn't going to kill us? But a yes, I, now that can be a big difference. Mm, I, I like that. And this, you know, you keep you keep blurring the line between 
culture and politics and faith right now. And I like it very much that because it, it is, it is not a distinct line. It does come down to, you know, I had, I had a woman in your, in your neck of the woods in, in Silicon Valley. Um, I was meeting with a group of activists and I had a woman come up, up to me after the meeting and she liberal politics her whole life. Um, Everyone starts putting on the mask and she's like, no, this has nothing to do with what I've stood for my whole life. This is crazy. And she, <laughs> she said to me, she said to me, I came to Trump in 2020. This is a liberal, like huge liberal that like never, she hated Trump in 2016. She said, I came to Trump in 2020. Then she said something more important to me. She said, I came to Trump in 2020. I came to Jesus in 2021. Amen. Amen. And I think that's the opportunity that you talked about at the outset. I just have known so many people. And as I described earlier, I can fall into it myself and say, did you see that person who's, you know, and recognize you can pray for that sheep. Even if you can't, you can't change that person. You're not going to stop your car, get out, knock on the window and say, sir, what you're doing makes no sense. As a matter of fact, that won't help someone telling them it makes no sense. Relying on a communication that has nothing to do with masks. You know, it's like we don't have to make COVID the subject of everything. And I think that's the tendency to to just focus on what's not working. And since you like the fact that I blur things with faith, because I think it's all a matter of faith, the apostles were very upset. Jesus died and was put into a tomb. Um, we can get very upset just looking at the present, but we know that God works all things together for the good. So guess what? We really don't have to pine away at this. We just have to do our part in the game. And if our job is to make the basket or hit the, the, the ball into the field, you know, whatever we're supposed to do, really narrow down your mission. And that's what I like about how you're oriented because you're not a mean, you know, activist, go up and spit in this person's face. As a matter of fact, hearing you talk, you're quite mild-mannered, almost to the point of he's saying these things, and we expect someone to be like this maniac who's going to talk this way, but that's not who you are, is it? So I grew up, I grew up uh, on the south side of Chicago in Chicago politics, and I, uh, I know those, those tactics, those kind of Alinsky-style democratic machine tactics, because I grew up around them. And... They work very well sometimes to fight fights uh, in politics. Sometimes cultural fights can work that way. Um, so I'm not always nice. Sometimes I like to, if someone's uh, really getting out of line, I like to give it to them. But uh, I just recognize that, you know, you you catch you catch more with with honey than with vinegar. I, my my personality is to love on people, not to not to get in fights with people. Um, I definitely find myself in fights sometimes, um, you know, going, going head to head with, with politicians who just are, are really stepping past any, any legitimate authority. Um, and no one's, no one's keeping them in line. So I, I do, I help with that too sometimes. Um, but I, I just think the more, you know, there's, there's a guy, uh, there's a guy gotten, gotten, a something a real back and forth with um lawyers involved and all kinds of stuff like that politician i um i invited him to church three weeks ago still hasn't happened but uh um i was in court not long ago uh with with a, a police officer i asked if we could pray afterwards his partner his partner said i, I want i want us to pray uh, he, he was not having it um and it's not the flesh and blood we're fighting against right it's exactly. it, it is it is the spiritual we're fighting against. And um, I try my best not to get caught up in the flesh and blood. I hope, I hope I fall on the side of mercy when I'm having those, those conversations and, and getting into those, those fights. Not, and I, when I say fight, I don't mean, I don't mean fist fight. I don't mean, no, I know what you mean, I Yeah, you mean. but you know, political, political battles, I guess. Um, I, I hope I'm falling on the side of mercy um, I, I hope I'm not getting caught up in the flesh. Um, and that's, I try my best in that. Right. And I think that uh, it's, let's be realistic. I mean, I felt like I had failed in terms of standing up with my principles when I went to that medical appointment. Move on. Okay. How would I do it differently next time? Maybe I would ask for the 
last appointment of the day, but mm-hmm. I didn't this time, but I got to have a nice conversation with three people who were receiving patients and the manager and the security guard and the technician. And so I kept saying my thing over and over again, you know, that, you know, this doesn't really affect anything. Well, they didn't change, you know, it's their job. They're going to, you know, I wasn't trying to have them lose their job, but somebody has to talk with them. Somebody has to, they have to hear it. They had to hear what I had to say because they were dealing with me. And I think the, the challenge is to be prepared for opposition and then know how you're going to respond. So rehearse it in the shower, rehearse it in front of a mirror when you're brushing your teeth. So it's not the first time you're going to say it. And, yeah. um, you know, it's like, and, and sometimes you're not going to be happy with your performance. So you get, you give yourself a D and you say, okay, <laughs> next time I'm going to go for the C. Yeah. yeah. I had a friend, a uh, friend, I was on his, um, his pastoral, what, what was it called? He was an intern. So I guess it was an internship committee and um, he was in the army and they had a, after, after every battle, after every, thing that happened not just battle every after everything that happened they'd get back and they'd say okay what went right what went wrong what would you do differently next time and i've adopted that when in a lot of my organizing in my activism when i get folks together i'll I'll say okay let's go let's go grab some coffee you know i don't send everyone home i say well i want a few of us go grab coffee talk over what happened um and you know, it doesn't need to be even for a specific next time that you go through that. But if you, if you ask yourself, you know, if you're, if you're sitting around being, being down about yourself, that's, that's Satan's work, just trying to get you down. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, something happens, you give yourself the D, figure out what it was, right? Get, get, get your wisdom, uh, from that. Vow to do it better next time. Don't be down about it. Don't be any more down than it takes you to, to learn your lesson in that moment. Um, Right, right. And I think that's good. I mean, that's true of everything. That's how we want to deal with our children and our grandchildren. We know you're going to mess up. You might have been surprised, but we're not surprised because we've lived long enough that we've messed up. So we mon from there. So just one thing, when you uh, referred to the lions, you know, be, find a lion, be a lion. It sent me to the book of Micah where lions are talked about, the young lions, you know? And so I don't know if that was an intentional reference to that or not, but uh, the lions protect the sheep. I know that's not the way National Geographic portrays it, but in the scripture it is, right? So we're doing a service for the kingdom of God when we stand for Christian liberty, when we stand for not having people viewed less than human beings made in God's image. So this isn't just a personal thing, is it? To be more comfortable so you don't have to wear a stupid mask. It's so that we can do the Lord's work. Yeah, that's, I, I believe it does come down to that. Um, and I, you know, I haven't thought about if I'm referencing Micah, I, I think I'm, uh, is it the second or third? I think I'm the third time. I'm about to be the third time through the Bible this year so far. And it just, I read it so much. It just kind of gets in me and I, uh, I got to go look, do some Micah reading now after you bring that up, but it wasn't intentionally from Micah. Well, or maybe it was through osmosis, you know, God doesn't say you didn't footnote me. You're in trouble. He (laughs) wants us to, he wants us to plagiarize as long as we're giving it a accurate rendering. So Alan, Let's say there are people here who say, hmm, this guy is quite interesting. How do I get more of Alan Stevo? H- how would they do that? Yes, absolutely. And to answer, to answer your previous question about uh, doing the work, it's you, you do, you've said several times now that there's not, how are people going to know unless you help them to know, right? There's, yeah. there's, we, we're just like, we're just supposed to be separate from them. And, and uh, that's I, the wrong verbiage I use right there. We're just supposed to uh, ignore, ignore the other humans around, around us, go through, go through your day and pretend they know everything they need to know. But sometimes, sometimes maybe there is an opportunity to help someone, to help someone grow. And, and that's loving to help that person do that. And uh, it is the sheep, the, 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 the lions are to protect the sheep, right? The lions, when they do good, it, it, it does protect the sheep from the hyenas. The sheep might not realize it. The the lions might never think about it that way, but just the lions living their own lives, keeping things free, 
It keeps the hyenas at bay. It protects the sheep. That's just how society works. And that's, you get good times from the lions waking up and doing their thing. Um, so that, 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 that there, the lion sheep reference you brought up. If people want to follow more of my stuff, I've got a website, realstevo.com, which is really just a place to sign up for my email newsletter. I like to do like lots of stuff by email and uh, a good place there. I'd like to, if, if any of your listeners are still using DuckDuckGo, um, I'd like them to know about a report my team and I did some research that it, it explains how DuckDuckGo is the most censored search engine of all of them. It's worse than Google. It's worse than Yahoo. It's worse than Bill Gates owned Bing. Um, and if they go to realstevo.com, R-E-A-L-S-T-E-V-O.com slash search, realstevo.com slash search, uh, I'll send them uh, that that reference the the research we did. And right on the first page, it'll tell you these 11 search engines we discovered really censor heavily. These two search engines censor uh, much lighter. And, and for right now, it's kind of like the best we have. You could also, if you could also sign up by text message. You could text the word truth, T-R-U-T-H, the word truth, the number 33777. Um, I got books. I got books out there. Uh, I send emails to my, to my list, emails of encouragement. Um, and I just want to be there to help you through this time because there's, right, there's this trillion dollar media machine out there that, that's looking to, to get you down, to depress you, to, to get you to believe some narrative. And I want to make sure I'm that voice in your day that's saying, listen, we're winning. This is going way better than they say it's going. And you just keep focused on your values. Don't let any of that nonsense distract you. And we're going to win this. We're going to see each other on the victorious side of this battle. Amen. And that's a message that a lot of Christians need to um, to respond to because Jesus said his burden was light. If you're feeling weighed down, you're carrying the wrong burden and you're trusting in men as opposed to the living God. So, Alan, thank you. I'm really glad that I got a chance to interview you. I've been meaning to, but it wasn't until you encouraged me as I sat in the car you know, beating myself up because I didn't do it right, that I knew it was a, a good thing to share your perspective with other people. Thank you so much for having me. All right, listeners, as always, if you have questions, comments, or even suggestions for future interviews, you can reach me at out of the question podcast at gmail.com. And I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.